Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. talk tonight about friending and uh, I, uh, I, I'm going to introduce this tonight really it's, it's going to be an introductory night and then Sunday we're finishing the four-part series on live 10 and I can't wait till Sunday Sunday's finale is going to be a great great day it's going to be awesome uh, I did the first two Mitch did such a great job Sunday filling in for me and uh, it was a, a wonderful day and and then this week how, how you folks doing on this time change y'all doing all right well, I'm not. I'm not doing good. I'm not doing good. I hate this. The only thing I love is that I got to see everybody coming to church on the front porch tonight instead of viewing you in the dark and saying, who is that? I don't believe I recognize them. I got to see people walking in here tonight that I knew and that I enjoy being in front of and teaching the word of the Lord to. So I want you to take notes tonight. So get you some paper, get you some pen, and we're going to write a few things down. If you have a bulletin, we have Wednesday night bulletins around here. We don't do it. All right. Get you a pen. Get you some paper and start. I want you to write some things down tonight because this is going to help you. Turn to somebody and shake their hand now and look up here and say, Pastor, Pastor. teach the word to me tonight. Let it touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Pastor, teach the word to me tonight. Let it touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Pastor, teach the word to me tonight. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. You're awesome, awesome, awesome people. Tonight, we're starting a a brand new message series called Friending. This series has the potential to be the most significant message series of the year and could impact your life for years to come. Because if we get our friends right, those friends set us up for success in every area of life that matters. The flip side is true as well. If we get our friendships wrong, that can set us up for more pain, more trials, more struggles, more destruction than I could possibly explain in the next 30 or 40 minutes. In fact, the key thought, if you're taking notes, that we'll visit and revisit again over the next few weeks would be this. You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Say it with me. You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Show me the people you you spend the most time with, and I will clearly show you the trajectory of your life. In fact, Solomon... King Solomon, thousands of years ago, said the exact same thing in a different way. In Proverbs 13 and 20, he says, Walk with the wise and you will become wise. But the flip side, he said, a companion of fools suffers harm. In other words, if you hang out with people who are better than you, they're wiser than you, they're smarter than you, 
They have better marriages than you do. They have be- they're better with money than you are. They're better leaders than you are. You're going to become like them and rise to their level. And if you hang out with a bunch of nuts, with a bunch of I-D-I-O-T-S's. I don't say that word because mama washed my mouth out with soap one time. And if a cat ever sits on a hot stove, he'll never sit on that stove again. So I won't use that word. I'll dispel it. A bunch of party things, people who get in trouble, they're going to drag you down to where they are. You show me your friends, and I promise you, I can show you your future. In fact, when I look at my life, if there's any area of success in my life, it is directly tied to God using the right people to lead me in the right mindset or have the right action at that particular time. On the other side, just like you, the times I got into trouble back in the earlier seasons of my life, I rarely got into trouble by myself. You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. So here's what I want to do to kind of build a foundation for you tonight to think about as we go through the next week. I want you to take a moment. Get your pencil and paper now. Here, I want you to write something. I want you to take a moment and list... Your closest friends, I want you to write them down. Now, stay with me. Hold on just a minute. Before you start, don't think about it real hard. Just start doing it. List your closest friends. Don't write down your spouse. I'm talking about outside your family. Don't write down your dog. And don't write down any imaginary friend. Just the people that you could call at 2 in the morning and they'd be there. The people that you can be transparent with and they know everything about you. The people that you know intimately and they know you intimately. So while you're writing, while you're writing, start writing. I feel in the Holy Ghost some people are not writing. I can feel it. God's given me a gift of the non-writing spirit. I can feel it. I've got that power. It's something that God gave me. Write down the names of your closest friends right now. Write them down. Write them down. Now, can you write and listen? I want to tell you something that sociologists and leadership experts have taught for years, and that's this principle. You're the average of your five closest friends. You're the average of your five closest friends. In almost every area of your life, you will be somewhere in the middle, the average of your five closest friends. Just watch. Chances are financially, you're kind of somewhere in the middle. You don't make the most money of your friends, and you don't make the least money of your friends. You're somewhere in the middle. Morally, morally, if you're a partier, okay. If you were drunk last weekend and couldn't come to church, I pray for you. If you were stoned, I pray for you. Chances are three or four of your closest friends probably were stoned with you. Because that's what you are. Don't look at me like I think you're looking at me. Things happen. And I'm a pastor that doesn't have his head in the sand. But if you're pursuing God with all of your heart, chances are that three or four of those people on your list are pursuing God with all their heart as well. Because you'll be the average of your five closest friends. Like it or not, your mom was right. You become like those who you run with. Or, as mom would say, birds of a feather. You show me your friends. I'll show you your future. So here's a question. Are you hanging with the right people? 
Do you want to become like those you are with now? Or would you like to say, if I really want to please God, maybe I don't have the best influences around me. Think about every area of your life. You want to have a good marriage? Are you hanging with people that have good marriages? Do you want to be stronger financially? Are you hanging with people that understand how to manage money? Do you want to be stronger spiritually? Do you hang around people that don't think they're spiritual, but you know that they have a walk with God? Do you want to be in better shape? Are you hanging with people who eat Twinkies for a hobby? <laughs> really? You show me your friends. I will show you your future. You are in almost every area of your life, the average. Everybody said my five closest friends. So as you listen to the message, listen to it in light of the people you spend most of your time with. Let me give you a baseline definition for friends for the next few weeks. Proverbs 17 and 17 in the FB version. Put it up there, Proverbs 17 and 17. A friend is someone you may or may not know well who accepts your friend request on Facebook. <laughs> this person is born to like and comment on your post to make you feel good about yourself. That's the Facebook version. Okay, so that's not real. But you have to admit that Facebook is having a real impact on how we define friendships today. Can I get a witness? Proverbs 17 and 17 from the real version says, a friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for a time of adversity. What a compliment, having five, having six, having seven friends who loved you all the time, not just for a short season of your life, but I'm talking about for decades, where you end up knowing their spouses and investing in their children, where there is a close pollinization spiritually, where you learn from them, and they learn from you, and you make each other better, and they love you enough to tell you the truth when you've done something stupid. Where they love you enough to kick you in the backside when you're about to do something that would hurt you. And when they're there with you to celebrate in the good times and they're there to cry with you in the times when you're hurt. The problem is, according to sociological studies, very few of us have friends like that anymore. Come on, let me talk to you. In fact, according to American Sociological Review, the average American today, you ready for this, has only two close friends. <laughs> And most of them are fighting to see who's closest to you. Just a thought. And chances are, many of you, in fact, the majority of you, when I ask you to name your closest friend, you probably put down two people, which may not alarm you unless you know that just 25 years ago, the average American had six close friends, not two. But now, two and a half decades later, our close friendships have been cut to average by one-third, and no one seems to notice or even care. What e what's even more scary to me is that fully 25% of Americans, one in four, report that they do not have a single close, trusted friend. Somebody say, Pastor, would you help us tonight? Something's wrong with this picture. So friendships are declining. Why are they declining? There's no doubt about it. Why do you think it's happening? Based on research, I'll give you the top three reasons, not necessarily in the order that I read them to you today. Why are friendships declining? Number one is because of increasing work hours. You know that's the truth. 
Many of you are working two, three jobs just to try to get by, try to make it. And the only time you really have is to get to church, and you barely get to church on time. And I love you on Wednesday night coming in with your scrub still on. I love you coming in with your work clothes still on because church matters more to you than going home and getting yourself cleaned up and going to a restaurant and getting something to eat. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord here tonight. I appreciate that and love you very, very much. We're all connected to time, all the time. We're working all the time. People are working so much, they're not developing relationships. Say amen to that. Number two reason, friendships are declining because of divorce rates. That's the truth. Study shows not only are divorces hard on families, but they're hard on friendships. You get this money, and you get that money, and he gets the kids this day, and she gets the kids that day. And he gets that friend, and she gets that friend, and because friends then take sides, friendships break down. Number three, and according to some, this is the top reason for friendships declining. It's debatable, but it probably is one of the strongest cases. Number three, because of the explosion of social media. Little thing right here. Y'all remember? Little thing right there. Boy, what a time for that phone to go off. Tell Governor Perry he got the wrong number. That don't bother me. Now, I want to just say up front very clearly that I am not against social media. It may sound like I am when I get through, and some of you may leave this church and say, he don't like social media. <laughs> There's a lot of great uses for social media. Would you agree that our church loves the leverage, loves to leverage technology? We do that. Amen. We do that stuff. It's an awesome thing to be able to do that, and we're going to go to a deeper level with that when we start filming and start Start doing our, 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 our church online. We're going to start streaming. It's going to be a fabulous thing. And hopefully someday somebody might pick us up and say, y'all pretty good. We'd like to have you on television. Wouldn't that be nice? It'd be all right. I'll let these young men preach because they're better looking. I have a face for radio. I don't know about them, but I have. <laughs> there are three types of social media I involve myself in. Facebook, barely. Instagram occasionally, but I do tweet from time to time. And it keeps us connected with people, and there are a lot of benefits. But whatever you think about social media, you have to acknowledge that social media is redefining the way we define how we think about our friends. I'm going to, get, I'm going to talk to you now. It's funny. For example, years ago, I guarantee that none of you ever thought about picking up the telephone and calling every friend you had right then to tell them what you're having for breakfast. And then, and then, when you say, I'm having oatmeal for breakfast, a lot of you take a picture of your oatmeal to show everybody how pretty it is with strawberries and raisins on top of it. This is what I'm having. This morning for breakfast. And what experts say, somebody just tweeted me. Is it y'all? Quit that. And what? I'm going to see who this is. Robin Steele is now following you. He's sitting right there. 
Thank you, Brother Robin. You made my point. And what experts say, now rather than becoming more concerned about face-to-face intimate friendships, we're becoming obsessed with our online image of what people actually think we are. Oh, pastor's fixing to preach right now. We share our hearts and our thoughts, and we broadcast them in 140 characters or less. We'll put on Facebook a post of how we're feeling and how someone can pray about us. And then the best is we'll take a picture of ourselves. <laughs> Snapshot in time. Boom. One moment in time. And if we don't like the light, we'll do it from another angle. To get it just right. This is my good side. This is my bad side. My wife and I was riding on a plane several months ago. We were coming into a landing and there was a pretty girl across the aisle, probably 20 years old. And she was going crazy with this thing and selfies. She'd go. Listen to me. I will never lie in this pulpit. She took 40 if she took one. And then she saw me. Because I was paying attention. And I said, I'm sorry, I said it. And I said, that's not for your parents, is it? No, sir. And I said, that's not for your sister either, is it? I said, is he waiting outside? I said, you look nice. 40 times over. And then we send that out. We upload it. And in that moment in time, we sit around and wait for our friends to like it. And seven likes in only five minutes. Woo-hoo! I feel good. It's a good picture. Okay. We feel like we're connecting with other people because of that. And again, there's nothing wrong with it. You can stay in touch with other people, but it needs to be a supplement to relationships, not a replacement of relationships. And so what we have now is we've got people with more likes and more fans and more followers more Facebook friends, and yet they're more alone than they've ever been in their life. They recognize something is missing. They recognize something's not right. And I can't speak for every one of you because I still do significant value. I still see significant value in social media. But the more I get involved in it, the more I crave face-to-face, intimate personal depth in my relationship. The reason I stand on that porch 
And I don't text you and say, hey, I'm glad you're at church tonight. But I stand on that porch because I want to see you when you walk in this church. I want to look at you and say, I'm proud you're here. I want to tell you right up front, I'm glad you're a part of Christian Life Church. Come on, turn to somebody and say, he's preaching right now. Hallelujah. And so what we have now is we've got people that recognize that something's wrong, something's not right. And I can't speak for any of you because I still see significant value. But the more I get involved in it, the more I crave face-to-face, intimate, personal relationships with people because it can't be a replacement. It's got to be just a supplement. And after this long introduction, let me tell you where we're going in the next few weeks. Next week, I will speak on being one friend away. I'm going to talk about one friend away. You are, I promise, one friend away from changing the course of your destiny, whether it's good or bad. In fact, if you listed two or three friends, I can promise you God wants more for you than that. And when you have the right friends, they will help lead you in the right destiny as you will for them. And I'm going to show you that the three types of friends that every one of us needs from the life of King David next week. And I can promise you that every one of you will see a need in your life. And God is going to stir a desire to build that friendship. And the next week after that, I will speak to you on one community away. Not only does God want us to have friends, but he wants us to have a community of friends. People that we do life with. In a, in a world that applauds independence. Be independent, they say. Don't rely on anything or anyone. God has created us not to be independent but to be dependent upon him and to love his people and say we need one another in this life. Many of us, many of you are one from one community change away to change the course of your destiny in your life. Then the last week I'm going to speak on how to unfriend because it's absolutely impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. Can you say amen to that? And we're always to love people and always going to treat people like they want us to treat them. But sometimes Christ has to draw a line and redefine some relationships. And we're going to love people in a safe way without allowing bad company to corrupt good character. So tonight I want to spend our last few minutes about a friend that we need to be to others. I want, I want to go about rediscovering the lost art of friendship. I'd like to speak on 10 or 12 things, but I don't have time. But I've narrowed them down to two, the two most important needs that I see based on my interaction with people in our world, rediscovering the lost art of friendship. You might want to take these down. Here's some notes for you. First thing is, I want to beg with all of my heart for you to learn to be present with presence. There's a lot of people that are here, but they're not here. Have you ever talked to somebody? And you look at them and you know they're not listening. Usually that happens when somebody's asleep in church. But you can turn a preacher off. You can turn a conversation off. You can be present but not presence. Your presence is not there. It's someplace else. I'm going to beg you. I'm going to encourage you to not only be present but have your presence involved in making friends in your life. In fact, if you don't mind, would you say this after me? Everybody say it aloud. Are you ready? Everybody Everybody. will develop develop my friendships friendships face-to-face, not just thumbs-to-thumbs. Okay?
I'm writing y'all something right now. <laughs> y'all get it? It'll come after a while. Our four fingers to four fingers for those of you who are more than one finger typers. Okay. Face to face. Everybody say face to face. face, to face. Not thumb to thumb. Not belly button to belly button. That's for your spouse, not your friends. We are good friends, but not friends with that kind of benefits. Don't get quiet on me. Laugh a little bit. Let me know I'm doing pretty good. Anyway, so we're going to be face to face because presence matters. Think about this. When Jesus called his disciples, he didn't say, hey, boys, here's a book about me. Go study it. You'll learn some things about me. What did he do? He said, hey, won't you come follow me? In other words, he said, let's do life together. Let's journey together. I had two men in my office tonight. One named Jeff Fluitt, the other named Joe Christian. They were in my office tonight, and I looked at them, and there's a compilation of about, I'm trying to think, probably about, 80 years, 85 years of life invested in those two men combined. They look old. I don't. I'm teasing. But I looked at them and, and I thought I could, write, I could write some names of people in my life that I would call at 2 o'clock in the morning and they'd be there. I remember when my brother died and Jeff came to the house put something in my pocket and I didn't even know it till I got on the road and I pulled it out it was $2,000 a little note that said I'm praying for you pastor do good at your brother's funeral here's a book you don't get that from a book you wake up in the morning you have breakfast together with his disciples and get to know each other and go from one community to another you got to be present with one another in fact it's really interesting in my research that I found that our children, listen to this, our children are more dissatisfied with their parents' obsession with technology in general than parents are dissatisfied with their children's obsession. You know why? It's not to say that parents are doing it more. They're probably not. That's probably not the case. But children are dissatisfied because they want your attention, mom and dad. And when they want it, they can't get it because you're on Pinterest ready to change the world with your latest recipe, how to make better biscuits. Oh, you have no idea how great this is going to be. I mean, this is going to change our family forever. And kids are saying, Mommy, Mom, Mom, Dad, Dad, Daddy, Daddy. Wait, 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 wait. Some of just posted something on Facebook. Wow, they like my recipe. And the child is distraught because you are not available. How many times do you go to restaurants and you see a family of four or five sitting at the table and nobody's looking up? I went to one restaurant one day, and a kid had his head down on the table like this because he wanted to be totally out of it, and he's tap tapping down here. <laughs> you know what I did? I did it. I said, hey, son, get your head up. He was at my table. Get your head up. His dad looked at me, and I said, I said it. I want to look at you. 
I want to talk to you. Would you put your phone up? Here's what we've got to do. We've got to learn to be present. We've got to learn to be present. The writer of Hebrews said something that has been true throughout history, and it couldn't have been any more prophetic for our time than this moment in history when he said in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, he said, let us think of ways to motivate one another toward acts of love and good works. When's the last time some of us got together with our friends and said, hey, why don't let's go do something significant in our world? How can we serve someone in the name of Jesus? What can we do? Can we go just get a bunch of water and go give to some homeless people? Can we go do something together that will bond our hearts and bind our spirits and make us feel better about life? Or do we just want to sit there and talk on our cell phone and say, wow, I got tons of friends. No, you really don't. No, you really don't. Friendship. Friendship. Love spurs one another to good works and acts of love. And then he goes on to say, and let us not neglect our meeting together with a spiritual purpose as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let's don't give up meeting together. Can I applaud you tonight and can you applaud your neighbor for showing up to church on Wednesday night during spring break right here in Austin, Texas? Come on. Come on, clap your hand. Come on. Come on, clap your hand. It's important, forsake not the assembling yourself together as a manner of some is. The more so as you see the day approaching. This is a wonderful vehicle to help supplement relationship. But there's nothing like being together with God's people in the house of God. Magnifying the name of the Lord and glorifying Jesus Christ with all that's in us. Come on, clap your hands. Rejoice in that right now. It's important, it's important. There's a power in physical presence. Twelve years ago, Patty and I got a call late one night. In fact, it was early in the morning when we got the call. John and Alita Garcia's daughter, Joanne's son, little baby boy, was killed in a fatality. I asked Alita if it's all right if I use this tonight. The little body was in Brackenridge. And uh, when Patty and I got to the hospital, you know, How do you say that God was in this? What do you say? You know, tomorrow, 33 years ago, was my day of destiny. And uh, how, do you, how do you look at it and say that God was in that? So we got to the hospital, and Joe and Olivia were there, and Joanne, her husband, was hit there. And I walked in, and they were all looking at me, and they was all waiting on a word. And I went over to that baby. And I had nothing. And I can talk, folks. I can talk. But nothing would come out of my mouth. It was like, my God. The only difference is I got to see this one. And my boy, I never got to see because he was burned so badly. Here's, here's a baby that is an innocence that was killed in a car tragedy. And I hugged that little baby. I hugged that little body. I hugged Joanne. I hugged Elita. I hugged Joe and Olivia. And I, I prayed with them. And I tried to make some kind of sense. And when I got back to the car, I sat in that car. 
And I thought, boy, you really did good tonight. Wow. I said, Patty, I was horrible in there. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to direct my words. I didn't know how the husband did not speak English. And it was very hard to speak to a translator to tell him how I thought and what God was doing in the world and how this all happened. And it was so tough. So I wound up just saying, you know what? We're going to pray and we're going to be here. And we love you so much. And later... Elita came up to me, and she's one of our most faithful members in this church. And she said, you had no idea, Pastor, what your visit meant. When you walked in that emergency room and to my little grandson, it was like God was just walking in. And he showed us how much he loved us through your visit. Because there was something called physical presence. And they said, I'll never forget it. Everything you said, Pastor, was just perfect. Really? It was horrible. I didn't say anything worthwhile. Nothing recordable. Nothing that will go down in history. But in their mind, my presence, my presence said everything to their lives. There's something incredible about presence, folks. You hear me? There's some people can walk into a room, never have to say a word, and you know they're there. My friend was at a golf course one time in a tournament. And he went up to one of the marshals and he said, Tiger's playing in this tournament, isn't he? And he said, yeah, he is. He said, is he here yet? He said, no. He said, well, will they announce when he comes? He said, no, sir, you don't have to announce when he gets here. Because when he gets here, you'll know it. The whole golf course will know it within three minutes. There's a presence. And I think... That many times we have substituted. Social media. For walking up to a brother. Come here, Royce. Come here, buddy. We're walking up to a brother. And say, Royce, I'm not texting this, buddy. I love you. Get up here. Get up, get up here on my level. I know you're too tall. Get down one. <laughs> I love you, buddy. I love you, buddy. Now, I could send you a text, but this was better, wasn't it? Amen. Thank you, bub. Amen. Amen. I love our staff. I got them in my notes. I love our staff. Got a great staff. Three of them's in their 30s, and one of them's an old man. He's in his 40s. And you know what? You know what I love about these guys, and I've never told them. I've never told them. When we go to lunch, they'll get calls, and I'll get calls from time to time, but they never, they never allow themselves to get caught up in social media while we're having lunch. The time with their pastor is more valuable than anything that could come in. And I want to compliment them tonight and tell them how happy I am that they're that kind of persons. Means the world to me. People need us to be there. I wonder how different your family, how different your friendships, how different you would be if you made the people that you were with the priority and not this. Put this thing down and look at those who are there. Be present with presence. 
Let us not give up the power and the habit of meeting together as some are the habit of doing. The first thing I want to encourage you to do is to be present. The second thing, and I will close with this tonight, is get open. Open up. Be transparent. If you're going to have friends, you've got to open the door of friendship. If you were to have friends, you must show yourself to be There it is. We don't have any sour heads in this church. They all find a way to matriculate out of here. But we got people that have closed the doors because of hurts and pains and frustrations from yesterday. Why don't you open the door of friendship one more time and give grace a chance and give friendship a chance. I love what Brad does once a month with our married couples. I love what the young at heart do once a month over there playing dominoes. You can't get in the game because they got it locked up. But I can because I'm the preacher. In fact, they're mad at me when I don't show up to those domino games. But you know what? We need each other. Can you say amen to that? Amen. We need each other. We need to open up our hearts. We need to get transparent. We need to get open. We need to say this is what we're going to do. You know what? Experts say there's a new phobia that's one of the fastest growing phobias in the world. It's the, the fear of talking on the telephone. I got, I, got a, I, got a, I got a problem. I've got an issue right now. I'm tired of calling my pastor buddies and getting a voicemail. I'm sick of that. If I call you and you don't know my number, pick up the phone. If I say it's the IRS, you can hang up. Pick up the phone. I love people that answer their phone. You know why people don't answer their phone? Because when it rings, they let it go to voicemail, then you text them back, and you listen to the voicemail later. And here's why. People are afraid of talking on the phone because they cannot control the direction of the conversation. When someone texts you, what can you do? Oh, it's him again. <laughs> I'll deal with this later. And you're in control. And you think about what you want to say. You can type it out. You can edit it. You can delete it. You can carefully craft your response, and you're in control. But on the phone, you're not in control because you don't know where the conversation is going to go. And what's even funnier to me is that they are saying now because people don't know how to talk on the phone, they don't know how to get off the phone. Just say, I got to go, bye, and hang up. If it's your friend, they'll say, see you later. I was talking to Ron Lyles today, one of my dearest friends in all the world, one of them old-time friends, and I'm almost through for people that I'm boring tonight. I was talking to Lyles today, and he gets loud when he talks. And I had him on speakerphone, and I was picking something up over here at Chewy's to take to my wife because we're taking care of the kids the last three days and before they come home from uh, Nicaragua. Keith and Joyce took them the first part of the week. We got them the last part of the week, and we're in love with it. I told the little granddaughter, don't go to bed till I get home tonight because i got to get some sugar before you go to bed. I'm not going to text you. I'm going to get it physically. I'm going to get some sugar physically. But I stopped by there, and Lyles and I were talking, and he just rattling away, and he said, got to go, bye. <laughs> yeah, good, good. See you later, baby. 
It's amazing that people don't know how to end conversation, so they don't want to talk on the phone. Then they get on there, and they're like, okay, and they're just breathing. They don't know how to get off, which is really interesting in that now people do not know how to share their hearts. They can be somewhat controlled, open up on a post on a Facebook, but they do not know how to do it face-to-face. Get open. Become transparent. James 5 and 16 says it this way. I'm going to close this way. He says, confess your sins to each other. He didn't say confess them to just God, but to people. And pray for each other that you may be healed. Wow. Do you have a friend that you're close enough to that you could say, you know what? I made the biggest mistake of my life last week. Would you pray for me? Well, what did you do? Well, I did so-and-so. My God. (laughs) Like them old preachers out there on that boat one day fishing. And one of them said, I'll tell you, I got a problem with gambling. But don't tell nobody. And the next guy said, well, I've got a problem with with money. Money's become a controlling factor in my life. He said, but don't tell them. The third guy said, Well, I got a problem with gossiping. I can't wait to get back on the shore and tell it all. (laughs) A friend loveth at all times. And if you can go to that friend and become transparent, if you can get open and that friend will lay his hands on you and pray for you, the Bible said you will be healed. It's time for us to quit spreading the word on Facebook and start telling Jesus Christ we have a need down here and you're able to help us and start bearing one another's burdens and start lifting one another's loads and carrying one another's crosses and say we can make this journey together in the name of the Lord. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. We may impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. So, we had a a men's Bible study. Somebody help me. I'm I'm, I'm ready to quit. Thank thank you, Randy. We had, here's my 40-something. Here's my 40-something here. We had a, I love him. We had a men's Bible study first of the year over here. Anybody remember what it was about? It's called Every Man's Battle. Last year, pardon me, end of last year. Every Man's Battle. Say Every Man's Battle. The first night we was in that because it's about pornography, it's about lust, it's about looking at women wrong, it's about having wrong thoughts. It's about not letting your eyes dance and get away from images. It's about that stuff. And the first night I was, I was very curious because there was about a 85 men showed up. And uh, I looked at them. It was so funny. I looked at them. And there's this kind of giving this number. And I, and I, and I, I saw you, so I'm just going to show you. There's going. I could see looks of recognition. Oh, 
I feel safer because he's in this room. I feel better because he's here. Listen to me. Listen to me. Get this in your spirit. Every man and every woman will have battles all their life. We don't need to chunk each other under the bus and run over each other four or five times and say, I'm better than they are. We do not well when we compare ourselves against ourselves. We need to compare ourselves to the one that died for us. And we understand that every man in that room had a battle. And every man that didn't go to that Bible study has a battle. And every woman has battles. And every person in this room has battles. And we need friendship. We need more than just thumb to thumb. We need face to face. We need more than just saying, you know what? I like you. I like what you posted. Don't stop doing that. But we need to come out of our shells. We need to come out of our hearts and say, I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to be open. I'm going to do this thing because I may be known for my strengths. But I connect with people with my weaknesses. Here's the temptation I can't overcome, Pastor. You know what? I've had that temptation. I'm going to help you. Here's a fear that I have in my life. I have some phobias. You know, I've had some of those in my life. It's all right. It's okay. It really is okay. Because we have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And he can help us in all of our down times. Everybody say friending. Everybody say friending. I want to be a friend to people. Sam Walter Foss wrote a poem one time. He said, let me be live in a house by the side of the road where the race of men go by. The men who are good, the men who are bad, as good as bad as I. He said, I would not sit in the scorner seat and hurl the cynic band. Let me live in a house by the side of the road and just be a friend to man. Let me live in a house by the side of the road where the race of men go by. The men that are good, the men that are bad, as good as bad as I. I would not sit in the corner seat and hurl the sinning bed. Let me live in a house by the side of the road and just be a friend to man. Everybody has got issues. Everybody's got problems. Nobody's got it all figured out. But oh, it's so much better when you say, let's join hands and go in this battle together. Come on, let's go together. Let's go together. Let's go together. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.